don't think that I'm someone who understands limits. This is going to be like a really dorky analogy. If I was a function and you took my limit as it approaches infinity, it would just go to infinity because like, I don't know where the boundary line is. And I feel like I never saw that I would have to choose either doing school or YouTube. Welcome to The Remarkable Leap. My name is Juliet, and I'm here to guide you on your journey towards becoming a brighter version of yourself. Every week, you'll gain inspiration and wisdom from our guests on how to embrace your fears and take your own leap of faith in your personal life or in your career. We each only get one life to live. Make it remarkable. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Remarkable Leap. It's your host, Juliet. Thank you all who have listened to the first two episodes and left really sweet five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one of them, and I'm so grateful to everyone who continues writing them and sharing this podcast with their friends. Today on the show, we have YouTuber Michelle Choi. She recently hit 50,000 subscribers and has been growing her channel for the past couple of years while being a full-time student at the University of California, Davis, studying applied physics. On this episode, we discussed how she developed an understanding that art and science are not mutually exclusive and how she pursued her leap of faith in YouTube and digital marketing. Hello, Michelle. How are you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm good. I just woke up a little while ago, so super happy to have you as a guest on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so I guess just to start off, just to give our listeners some background, um, would you just tell us a little bit about what you're currently up to? I am currently, I I feel like I juggle a lot of hats, Uh, so this is always a really loaded question to get, but if I were to just boil it down to the things that I do the most often, I'm currently at my second to last quarter at the University of California, Davis, studying applied physics. And I am a digital content creator. I feel like that's always like kind of pretentious to say, oh, I'm a digital content creator. <laughs> oh my gosh, not uh, at really, all. Really, I just, I just make videos. I make YouTube videos. I sit at home, I talk to myself, uh, edit it, and then post it on the internet. And I um, run a what I call a digital storytelling agency, which is essentially just a marketing agency, but I do that freelance and that has been really fun. It's called the Soul Search Studio. And that's the three big things that I've been up to over the past six months. Yes, that's amazing. And I've obviously got to witness a lot of what you've been doing just in our conversations. And it's just really incredible how many different things you are taking on at this time. Um, But studying applied physics and then also doing digital marketing, those two are very sort of left and right brained, it seems. So would you talk to us a little bit about how you kind of got involved in both and maybe a little bit about sort of, you know, this podcast is about how people have taken leaps of faith and how that sort of applies to your situation and everything that you're currently working on? Yeah, totally. I... Well, out of high school, I, well, we have to, we have to go back a little further than that. During (laughs) high school and middle school and just like growing up, I was a very creatively inclined person. I, music was my very first form of art that Mm. I truly fell in love with. I started playing classical violin, like Suzuki, Vivaldi, all of that nonsense when I was in kindergarten, like a good Asian girl, (laughs) the good Asian daughter I was. 
And I did that all throughout high school. I picked up um, some percussion because I was in marching band. I did orchestra and I did choir. So my content creation journey actually started with me doing covers on the internet. And I feel oh like my it goodness, is it really, still on really the bad. same YouTube channel that you have now, or is it completely different? Same channel. Um, I think if you scroll all the way down, you'll be able to find Ooh. like bright-eyed 15-year-old Michelle with braces singing on the internet. <laughs> I will have to go back um, and look at those. Honestly, you should cuz they're kind of they're kind of funny to watch cuz <laughs> I took it very seriously. Um and then when I graduated high school, I really wanted to go to art school. I wanted to be a someone in fashion or someone who did art or any form of art creatively and professionally, and my parents were like, "I don't think that that is a good stable idea and while at the time I really resented that I can't believe that I'm saying this but I really appreciate that now because like while physics is fun but I would probably not do it again Mm. um it's really freaking hard and the kind of brain that's required or at least the kind of skill set that's required to be a scientist is one that's very niche and very specialized and very much for someone who just wants to do this and only this and I am not that kind of person but it's taught me to think of things as very data oriented and so I'm able to implement a lot of data oriented um like storytelling into the partnerships that I create or just the content that I create. And it's also given me this really wide range of skills from coding to um, analyzing data to making like plots and seeing things as um, statistics rather than unorganized data points, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I can tell like you have a very analytical mind and I totally see how that comes from studying physics. Mm -hmm. But like on the other hand, I feel like because big data has taken this push, this like human element out of storytelling, my own creative inclination and my natural predisposition to being like kind of artsy fartsy has allowed me to be much more free and loose with my storytelling and still remember to be humanity first, I guess, to steal a line from Andrew Yang. So having like this artistic, natural inclination married with this love for data and science has kind of turned me into someone who tries to share that art and science are not mutually exclusive because I feel like that's the story our society has pushed generation after generation. And we have to remember that like astronomical phenomena, for example, has its roots in human curiosity for arts and the fact that it is beautiful. And when we model Mm. our data through like, I don't know, for like Python, for example, like the Poisson distribution looks aesthetically pleasing. Like it's so balanced. It's so nice. So we have to remember that the two are not separated and they actually should be married together. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's sort of like the idea of like, 
you know, back in the Renaissance where you had like the Renaissance man that is, you know, interested in the sciences and the arts and sort of talking about how all of those disciplines really come together to kind of create this really interesting perspective and a way of viewing the world. So that's really cool. I can't say I know exactly like all of the scientific things that you're talking about, um, but that makes a lot of sense. Talk to me a little bit about sort of, you know, you're studying applied physics in school, you're running your YouTube channel that's going very successfully. Was there ever a point in time where you thought that you would have to choose one or the other? Or did you always have this mindset that you could do both? I don't think that I'm someone who understands limits. (laughs) That's good. Um, Yeah, like if I were a function, right? This is gonna be like a really dorky analogy. If I was a function and you took my limit as it approaches infinity, it would just go to infinity because like, I don't know where the boundary line is. And I feel like I never saw that I would have to choose either doing school or YouTube. I mean, like it helps that there are other people out there that are doing the same thing. You know, like there are plenty of student vloggers and like people who post consistently. But for me, I just can't remember a time in which I haven't been able to do both. Yeah, so that's great. I feel like that's pretty rare for people to be able to see so clearly that life is not so black and white because I think most of us growing up are kind of taught that and like you said your parents said you know you're not going to be able to have a sustainable career in the arts and yet you still told yourself you know yes I can I can still do both so where do you think I guess that mentality comes from or that drive I feel like it <laughs> it came when I was younger from like a lot of the spite I was like well I have to prove them wrong now mm. like there's no option because all these people around me like the thing is that a lot of this negative talk came from like peers that I was around like hanging around with not necessarily my parents and my parents came from a good place like if I'm going to provide some context for their fears they're first generation immigrants to the United States so for them they wanted they want to provide their children with security and stability that they didn't necessarily have when they immigrated to the United States so that is something that I completely understand because a lot of immigrants sacrifice self-actualization for the security of their family right so for them that was their way of life but for me i was like well because i'm in this nation of opportunity i might as well like you know go and like pick all the cherries i can get from Mm -hmm. this tree and just like run head first into the abyss so i i don't know i guess thinking about it really carefully like a lot of people just told me like ah the, you're what you're doing is like full of shit you need to <laughs> not and like be find an adult job be a normal adult be like a stable adult go to medical school go to grad school do engineering and for me I was like well that's just never been an option because as much as I love all of my classes and I think that they're really interesting if I had to do that and only that for the rest of my life I we just become horribly depressed. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. to your point, that's kind of like, I guess, the privilege of being second generation to like our immigrant parents is that we kind of feel like, you know, we didn't have to struggle as much. And so we obviously are just like a little bit more selfish or we're a little bit more like, well, we we have, you know, this foundation and now we can reach for mm-hmm. more and we can have more than I guess our parents had. Yeah, and it definitely comes from a place of privilege. Like, 
I, as much as I like hate to say it, YouTube is still not an even playing field. Social media is not an even playing field, especially in like the fashion, beauty, lifestyle segment, because A, it requires you to have the technology to be able to communicate these ideas. Like even if it's an iPhone, right? Like iPhones aren't free. In fact, they're about $1,000 a piece now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's expensive. You have to have a computer in order to be able to edit or at least like applications on your phone, which also may or may not be free. And C, you have to be able to have time. And time is so incredibly valuable. If you're busy working a part-time job or being a full-time student or being a caregiver and you don't have time to allocate to becoming a content creator, like that in itself is such a privilege that you can't ignore. So while social media has democratized who can and cannot create content, it's still not an even playing field and like... I'm really grateful to my parents to be able to have this time and this opportunity because if even if I had like lived in Korea and gone to like Korean school, I don't think that I personally would have enough time to create content mm. because the Korean school system's tough. Yeah, I don't know much about it, but I can imagine just hearing what I hear about the school system in China. Mm hmm. You know, given that you're going to be graduating in a few months, what is kind of the road ahead looking like for you? What are you sort of juggling between if, you know, you have certain ideas of what you want to do? I feel like this is always, you can hear the insecurity creeping in my voice. (laughs) It's like the worst question that any college almost to be graduate dreads hearing. (laughs) Yeah, but the thing is that I kind of like hearing it because it forces me to iterate upon the idea every single time. Currently, I'm applying for jobs because I want to stay in the San Francisco Bay Area. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for growth for me here. And I don't think that I personally vibed with Southern California when I grew up there. So that's just like, that's out. Sorry, LA is not for me. But (laughs) It's not for um, everyone. The Bay is really expensive, like obscenely expensive. I did a cost of living calculation. And for you as a single person to have three to six months of like savings and like just in case your roommates all like drop out of the face of the earth and you have to Mm -hmm. um, be able to provide for your own apartment. It's like 30K, 30 Gs (laughs) for three to six months. Like, holy shit. Like that is really expensive. And I, I can't, that, that idea doing on YouTube and freelancing alone terrifies me. I feel like that's still the immigrant mentality. So I am hunting for marketing jobs and I like, I kind of want to do UI UX design, but I know that that is much more demanding Mm. than marketing. And I still want to be able to have time to grow my creative endeavors because I don't want the things that I create to stop at the internet i want to be able to create like real life events or a location or i have a bunch of like crazy pipe dreams for irl things like things that you can physically go to or physically touch that represent my values of human connection and community so it's just I feel like the only way to be able to make those things happen again is through money and I am more than comfortable with like juggling two 
large obligations back and forth because I've just been doing it for the past two years. Um, and also, you you know, having a regular nine to five provides sweet health insurance. Yes. And the state of American <laughs> politics with health insurance, like I don't want to jeopardize yeah you don't want to have to question whether or not you're going to receive treatment if anything goes wrong so yeah a very smart outlook and i think it's interesting to maybe we can talk a little bit about this but obviously you do youtube you just hit fifty thousand subscribers which is incredible thank you that's crazy to me (laughs) yeah and i think people have this misconception on the outside looking in that doing youtube is so easy people just rake in all of this cash from just posting videos about themselves on the internet it seems like easy work to some people but you've described to me that even with 50,000 subscribers you're making like a part-time income from youtube and it's not something that you can sustain just doing it as your one full-time career yet it does take so much of your time Oh, yeah. Like if I were to track hourly wage versus um, or like hours spent on videos versus like ad revenue alone. So this Mm -hmm. is like not any affiliate marketing, not any partnerships, just YouTube ad revenue. I'm probably making like pennies yeah on the hour i mean i know like your work ethic and i know you probably work way over 40 hours a week with all of your videos and all of the content that you're constantly posting across youtube and instagram yeah probably because the thing is that not only are you spending time documenting your life because that is hours worked right but then it's also the responding to dms responding to comments which i feel like is very important for me to do every single time like i don't always get to them But again, I want to drive this idea home that we're a community and that we are a family. And the only way that you can do that is I'm also participating in the conversation. Right. But responding to every single comment takes about like an hour for every video that I put out, sometimes more. So that's a lot of time. And then the editing is very time intensive. And I wouldn't necessarily call myself the most streamlined or the most efficient editor. So that is also time spent how much time do you think you spend on like every video? I mean, obviously they're all different in terms of the content, but if you had to say on average, like five hours, 10 hours. If it's a vlog, I generally have about like two to three hours of footage and then an hour spent creating like thumbnails and graphics for the video, another hour spent responding to comments, and then probably like three to four to hours editing yeah so eight to ten hours for every single video yeah and then multiply that by three videos a week. That's, <laughs> shit that's a lot yeah, of hours that is a lot plus the time you're on instagram and also i don't think people understand this concept but i also like dabble in youtube i am not as you know established as you are but i've tried to do vlogs and just the mental space that it takes to think like okay is this something that i'm gonna film it's just constantly in the back of your mind so even though you have like two or three hours of footage you're thinking about your content a lot more than just those times in between where you've pressed the record button oh yeah for sure and the thing is that i try to be present when i'm with my friends like I feel I feel like a lot of people like are really comfortable with vlogging their friends and all the like when they go out and stuff but for me that's where I draw the line because I don't want my friendships to now become 
held, I don't want my friendships to be held hostage by the fact that I create content now. Mm. Yeah. You know, I don't want my friends to worry about, is she going to put me on the internet? Like, what are they going to say? Is this going to affect my future employment as an engineer, as a scientist? So for me, I have to be very judicious about what I can and cannot film because I don't want to be the reason why my friends are no longer employable in their respective industries. Yeah, it's you know? definitely just like having that consciousness of everything and that awareness all the time and just having that balance. Yeah, and like sometimes I just want to be able to turn my brain off. Like I want to be able to enjoy my cup of coffee. I want to be able to like work out without worrying about do I look fat while I'm working out? Do I is my form horrible and now will everyone roast me in the comment section? So it's a lot of mental space that's being spent and also like the comments as mm. much as like are I would say that my community has a pretty good track record of being like really good people um but occasionally i'll just get some really shitty comments and dms being like god damn like why you gotta pick a bow with me i'm soft i'm sensitive i, <laughs> I cry really easily um, yes youtubers but, are all just human just so everyone knows and understands yeah and i feel like we've kind of reinvigorated celebrity culture via internet and to me, I don't feel like a celebrity or an influencer. I feel like I'm still 15 and making covers in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. It's just that the audience is much larger. And now I just talk a lot more. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's hard to get a grasp of the scale of your reach once you hit a certain number. Like even for me, I have like 1,500 subscribers. And I'm like, that's like... Mo like that's like three quarters of my high school if they were to all just be in an auditorium just like listening that's to my talk to me talk to, to myself <laughs> yeah fifty thousand is like the rose bowl stadium or something crazy oh god <laughs> not to stress oh, you out but, <laughs> but the thing is that like i've watched your channel grow and for me like when i hit a thousand subscribers that was the most exciting thing mm -hmm. on the planet like yeah. i I'm so excited to watch your channel grow and see how you grow alongside the internet because like it's so exciting, especially because this is a new frontier. It's the wild west. This is our manifest destiny. And <laughs> I, I love seeing what different people with different experiences end up creating with the same tools, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think it is a very exciting platform. and But for me, sometimes I feel like it's just exhausting as well. And it's so difficult. And it's amazing mm -hmm. for me to be able to see how long you've sustained on YouTube. And I guess I wonder, like, is there ever a point where you just thought, maybe I'll just stop doing YouTube? You know, maybe I could just go get in a, a career with my applied physics degree. It won't be as treacherous or it won't be as unstable as a career in YouTube is have you ever had that thought and you know what is it that keeps you still on YouTube and still working towards that dream um definitely not <laughs> because I'm a very big risk taker by nature mm -hmm. um not in terms of like jumping off buildings or whatever but if there is an opportunity in my life and I see it I will take it I will apply for every single job I'll do like I'll take every single opportunity and once I've experienced that opportunity I'll see whether or not 
it's worth it for mm. me. Like whether or not I find the risk reward balance to be feasible. And for me, as much as I love to shit on YouTube and be like, oh, it's so hard. It's so tedious. Like the, in the end of the day, it's not like I worked at Starbucks <laughs> for two years and that was so much more emotionally and physically taxing job mm. than YouTube is. And honestly, I'm like really embarrassed to say that YouTube is a hard job because there's nothing harder than working a minimum wage job and realizing that like you can't pay your bills simply because there aren't enough hours and the pay isn't great enough. Yeah, you know, that's and that true. people act like you're disposable and not only do your companies think you're disposable, your customers treat you like shit. So the fact that I have a relatively nice paying job that pays the same as what Starbucks did when I worked there like several hours a week mm -hmm. and I'm surrounded by people who are very kind to me. And then not on top of that, this opportunity is an outlet for other opportunities. Like I am so grateful and I don't see how it could get any worse. Yeah, you know, I think I'm it's... living my american dream yeah i think it's incredible the amount of perspective that you have and just how grounded you are because i think a lot of people sort of lose sight of that uh when they're kind of going through their own struggles um so i think mm -hmm. it's cool that you see it that way and it's so funny to me because like this podcast is all about how people you know took a remarkable leap of faith and how they were questioning themselves and didn't have the courage and i feel like i keep trying to like ask you like when was that moment but it's just like you i feel like just have this tenacity in you where you never really had to you know officially take a leap of faith you just kind of had that courage within you all the time and i think that's great for listeners to hear about because it's something that like i like i don't know how you were able to sort of embody the spirit or have this mentality but i think once like, I think it's great for people to try to achieve this mindset that you have where you're just kind of like ready to jump in to whatever it is that you want to do and just have this, you know, resilience within you and this mindset that like you're going to be able to achieve whatever you want. Well, actually, I feel like the reason why I am the way I am came actually from when I was in my first relationship, which I feel like I don't talk about romance a lot. So here you go, a, a podcast exclusive. <laughs> but when I was in high school, I was with someone who we just weren't built for each other. Like I'm a firm believer that just because you and someone don't get along and you guys might be horrible for each other doesn't mean that you're horrible people. You just mm -hmm. were horrible for each other and you brought out the worst in each other. And when I was with this person, I kind of, felt very trapped and felt like I couldn't do anything and I lost my sense of self. And I was with this person for, I would say like two years. And when you're like 15, you don't understand where to draw lines and where yeah, you should boundaries. be sacrificing. Yeah, and so when I got out of that relationship, I felt like I could finally breathe, which was really nice for the first time I like was able to take a full breath and I didn't feel restricted and my breathing wasn't as heavy and as shallow as it used to be. And then once I had spent time processing and like filtering out that experience, I was like, well, you know, this person kind of told me that I couldn't, I wasn't going to amount to anything and that I 
wasn't creative and I wasn't someone who deserved success and then I would always play second violin and I know that's not true you know because I work really hard it's just that nothing has come of it for the past two years because I was spending more time sacrificing my morals and my values for someone who didn't actually care all that much about me yeah I think that's such a crazy experience to have at such a young age to just sort of be questioning I guess like your value and your capabilities and to come out of that relationship and realize that you are much stronger than that person made you seem and now you've been able to just kind of embrace this mentality of strength and just kind of going for everything that you want I think is is really awesome and I think is something that's going to be really inspiring I know for me personally I am always just in awe of everything that you do (laughs) so it's been awesome to watch your journey thank you I I I feel like I need to make it perfectly clear that this isn't like some epiphany that I had overnight it was an epiphany that I slowly developed over the span of two years after I broke up with this person and then I was like you know what what's the worst that could happen Mm -hmm. you know like everyone on the internet hates my content and tells me what a piece of shit I am like (laughs) that already happened it can't get Mm -hmm. any worse so like fuck it I'm just gonna do it yeah you kind of built this tough skin around it thank you so much um for taking the time to chat with me i think right now we're going to move on to the rapid fire questions that i ask all of my guests so the first one is what piece of advice would you give your younger self before you took your leap of faith or i guess for you before you had sort of like this mindset shift of really coming into who you are and having this confidence that you do now just show up and show up every single day because Mm. consistency is the key to growth it doesn't matter whether it's working out and going to the gym or making youtube videos or trying to improve your skill set in some area if you don't spend the time to improve that skill set it's not going to happen you can't read about swimming to become a great swimmer right i love that so that's that's it Just show up every single freaking day and then put your heart and soul into it every single day. Awesome. And then question number two is, what's one thing that went massively wrong when you took your leap of faith and how did you recover? So maybe once you started your YouTube channel or started, you know, posting more consistently, what's, you know, a failure or a a great mishap and how did you recover from it? Oh, actually, one thing that terrified me was it was my very first official YouTube partnership and I had like so when you upload videos there's like different privacy settings Mm -hmm. and for a period of time YouTube had a privacy setting that was public rather than um unlisted or private and I had unknowingly listed it as public before I'd sent it to the person who was supposed to like check it off before I could publish it Mm -hmm. and like show it to the world And for 30 seconds, that video had gone live. And I didn't realize until I started getting all these comments. I'm like, shit, like, this is not okay. So I had to, like, go in, delete it from the internet, re-upload it again. And the entire time, I'm just like, is this a breach of contract? Like, I am so scared. I am so terrified. (laughs) Are they going to fire me? 30 seconds, my gosh. Yeah. And now now I know. Uh, 
always double check that it's in unlisted before yes. I publish. Did I you get in trouble? Right. Did they even notice? No, they didn't notice. <laughs> but for me, I was on edge for like yeah. three three days because I was like, shit, what if they find out? Like the internet, nothing's deleted forever. Someone has to have saved it somewhere. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, that's great that you're sort of like worst case scenario of accidentally publishing a video that's supposed to be private didn't actually have any sort of huge ramifications. It was all just internal stress. Yeah. <laughs> Let's was... uh, cycle back to this question in three years, though. I'm sure there's <laughs> going to be a larger scale disaster that comes off. Hopefully not. <laughs> Let's keep yeah. our Maybe I'll crossed. end up on some like T channel being like, this YouTuber did this massively horrible thing. Oh my thing, gosh. And now everyone is canceling her. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> well, anyways, um, the, I, the last rapid fire question is what makes someone remarkable? For me, the most remarkable people are the ones who are the most unapologetically themselves regardless of what whether or not other people like them so they they maintain their values and that they stick to their guns even everyone even if everyone else is like screaming no at them like i think that you're a remarkable person because you had this really stable job that had health insurance that paid well and you lived by yourself like as an adult and then you stuck to your guns and said, I'm not going to compromise my dream of fulfilling my creative potential for comfort. Mm. So you look, took that leap of faith and you did something that I will probably be way too scared to do for the rest of my life. Oh my gosh, that's so funny because I look at you and I think you're so remarkable and that I could never do what you do. So <laughs> I think it's awesome that we have such great admiration for each other. And I do want to point out like also that it does take obviously like a certain amount of privilege to be able to, you know, take that leap that I did. So I don't think it's just my own courage. Um, but yes, we can't end this podcast on you just complimenting me with that. Yeah. Yes, we can. It's really easy. Well, and like my friends... Or, like, the people that I admire the most are the ones that I've gotten to know the most intimately. So, like, I have this really amazing set of friends who, one that comes to mind is that she she's just, like, really badass. She does what she wants. She's an engineer. And she was like, I'm going to go get my PhD. Like, sure, I'll, like, work for a year just to save money, but I don't see anything else derailing this. And she's had friends being, like, maybe you should just go into industry. It makes more money in the long term and you'll probably be more financially stable because of it. And then um, like the culture that she's surrounded with, she's like, they're all like, you need to find a boyfriend. You need to get Mm. married and you should drink because it's college. You should party hard because it's college. But she's like, no, like these things don't interest me. And I have this one ultimate goal in mind So I'm not going to waste my time doing things that aren't helpful and productive towards that goal. And so, like, I admire her a lot. She's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I I agree with you. I think people that are just so true to themselves and don't care what other people think are truly just some of the most remarkable people out there. So, Mm -hmm. yay. Thank you so much for all of your time. I really enjoyed hearing everything you had to say. And always just excited to continue watching you grow on your journey. And for listeners out there, if they want to find you on social media, where can they find you? Your YouTube channel, Instagram? 
I am at the soul search on Instagram, but soul spelled S-E-O-U-L as like an homage to my Korean roots. And if you look up Michelle Choi, the soul search on YouTube, you can find me there as well. Uh, but that's really it. I don't really spend a lot of time on other social media platforms. Oh, and I have a website, www.thesoulsearch.com. I post op-eds, fashion things, and I resell my closet because I am trying to contribute to a more circular economy. Yes, and you can hire her for your digital marketing needs as well. Need a website? Need ads? <laughs> Need content? I'm here, your one-stop shop. Amazing. Love it. Well, thank you again so much for your time and your energy this morning. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Remarkable Leap podcast. If you like this, please show your support by leaving a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and share this with a friend. It would help so much. Thanks again, and I hope you have a wonderful day.